You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. So let's go ahead and get to today's walk talk. First of all, before I begin, let me go ahead and introduce myself just in case you're new to my ministry. My name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon. Check them out if you get some time. If you have read any of my books, please go back to Amazon and leave me a review for each book. What else? Uh, I have a podcast. You, I'm recording this live right now, but you are probably listening to this on the podcast in the future because that that is the form that most people are consuming my walk talks. People love the podcast more than the Instagram, more than the YouTube. The, I see the numbers on the podcast and it is just insane to me the amount of downloads that are happening and I'm not putting all my faith into that. I'm not comparing it to you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying it seems like the podcast is <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> so I'm I'm grateful that I had a lot of good friends such as Tyler McGirt with the Gospel Perspective guide me into that, such as Trent with Fatherhood Confessions always con- encouraging me, Gonzo with the Found Sheep brand, all these different people, Mike Adams with the Unsunday show. These people always encouraged me um towards the podcast. Now the podcast is out there. The podcast is popular and I, that makes me feel good. Okay. So anytime you do something and it's successful, it's going to make you feel good. Of course, that's not where I find my identity, but the podcast, check it out. If you're missing me on, on, on Instagram, because Instagram's changed up their algorithms to where you don't see these. Okay. You have to go to my profile and search for it as opposed to just showing up on your feed. Instagram has even done this and it makes me kind of salty. They want this platform to go to reels so much to the short form TikTok style. Even when I open up a notification with my screen is locked and I open up an Instagram notification, it does not take me to that notification anymore. It takes me to a random reel. So then I have to go to my notifications tab, find it, and then go to it. It used to be somebody commented on my post or on something, I'd open up the notification and it would go right to it. Not now. They're pushing this short form video and I think they're shooting themselves in the foot because I think TikTok needs to be TikTok. Instagram needs to be Instagram. Facebook needs to be Facebook. They need to be different. <laughs> they need to look at that, that the consumer wants each of these as they originally were in their heyday. And Instagram, we like the pictures, we like the videos, we don't have to look at the reels. Everything that's on TikTok, everything that's on Instagram that is pushing TikToks is actually making people want to go to TikTok more. I love TikTok, I love that format, but I miss the days of just being able to use my Instagram account to not see reels or not see TikToks. I wanna see, you know, text memes. I want to see beautiful pictures. You know, it's just, I don't like it, but it is what it is. I appreciate these platforms. I'm glad that I have them, but I'm just giving them some feedback in case there's powers that be that might be listening. Um, what else? I am on YouTube. So I reformat these onto YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to YouTube if you like consuming um, th- this form of video uh, via YouTube. 
I didn't understand this when I first started putting these on YouTube. There's a lot of people on YouTube who look at YouTube like a lot of people look at social media, yet they're not on social media. So it's a whole new frontier for the gospel for me. It's a whole new um, stepping stone to help people understand the new covenant. And I love it. So subscribe. You might be watching on YouTube right now. Hit that subscribe button. What else? Um, I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter four. When we see that word, some translations don't even say pastor. They say shepherd. So we see no qualifications. We see no authority. So what's that tell us? We are giving people who have named themselves pastor and then came up with what we see today and then we are assuming that they have authority. We are assuming that they have qualifications. That's not in the Bible, okay? If we go over and look at pastors one time, no authority, no qualifications. Qualifications means you're qualified to do something. Authority means they can punish you if you don't keep in step with what they say. Pastors don't have that according to the Bible. If you go and look for elders or deacons, you know, a lot of the, now another thing is the word bishop, they'll say, oh, it's a bishop. No, <laughs> the word bishop in the most updated translations is not there. Elders and deacons is used instead. When we see elders and deacons, we see qualifications. And those two words are used about 70 times combined, but we see qualifications, but we don't see authority. So we are giving people authority who have no authority. Pastors have no qualifications to be that person with the title of pastor. That's a man-made position because it's not a position in the Bible. And then the last holdout would be people going to Hebrews chapter 13. I'll say right here, see, obey your leaders with authority. That's not what it says. First of all, when we look at the book of Hebrews, this is not referring to church or people leading a church. The word church is not in the book of Hebrews. There's one translation that does say church, but a better trans a better word for that spot of the book of Hebrews would be assembly. And the reason why is it's referring to the saints of the past, the Old Testament patriarchs who have already died. It is an assembly in heaven. Okay, so it has nothing to do with a church, church building, church congregation. This is written to the Hebrews, the Jews. The Jews did not go to church. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy? They didn't go to church. <laughs> and that was from Friday to Saturday. Oh, they went to the synagogue. The synagogue was not church. The synagogue was more or less a study hall for the Torah, not church. Well, they went to the temple. Yeah, yeah, they did go to the temple, but they didn't go to the temple on the Sabbath. There's no tithing. There's no preaching at the temple. So we have to fit our view onto the book of Hebrews and say, these are church leaders. These church leaders have authority. Who, who are the leaders, according to the author of Hebrews? The people who had the message about Christ. Okay. What was their authority? The message about Christ. Okay, so if they did not repent from Judaism, 
temple work, animal sacrifices, arguments over the dead, who will rise first, who won't rise first, ceremonial washings, all this Judaism. And if you don't repent towards faith in Christ, you're not obeying the authority of Christ, of what these leaders are saying to you. So their only message is the message of authority about belief in Christ. The only thing they could possibly threaten you with is the obedient, the disobedience of unbelief. That's it. They would be trampling on the spirit of grace, going back to the temple, looking for more forgiveness, and there's no forgiveness left. So this is not church. So we have to pan out and stop trying to squeeze into the Bible our modern church because it's not there. Am I saying don't go to church? I am not saying that. I get accused of that. You are free. You're free to go to church. You're free to not go to church. But in the Bible, the word church is never describing a location. It's describing individual pockets of Christians, a body as a whole. And that's it. The first church building wasn't even erected until 200 AD, somewhere around there. So clearly it's not talking about going to a building. So pastors have no authority. Elders have no authority. Deacons have no authority. There's no deacon board in scripture. There's no church commandment in scripture. Hebrews 10.25, since we're talking about Hebrews. Do not forsake the assembly. Again, we just talked about this. It's not talking about church. Do not forsake getting together so you can keep telling each other about the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. Start at the beginning of chapter 10, read down. The very next passage, Hebrews 10, 26, actually tells them to stop going to a building, the temple. Am I saying stop going to a building? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in context, Hebrews 10, 25 is not thou shalt go to church. Jesus destroyed the need of a building to be in God's presence. And I'm gonna get to that today. It's gonna be part of today's walk talk. All right, so what else in my introduction? Oh, I don't know everything. I don't have to know everything. There are some ministries built on knowing everything. They're never wrong, <laughs> ever. So I'll tell you right now, I could be wrong. I'm gonna share with you what I know so far, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so that takes all the pressure off me. That takes all the pressure off you because I don't want you to look to one individual person for every single answer. That is a cult. I'm not a cult leader. I'm on the same plane as you, my friend. I just have a gift of communication and I can express this information in an understandable layman's way. I can do it with my job, that's how I'm so good at sales. I can do it in writing. That's why my books have been best-selling books. I can do it with my words, it seems to be. And for years, I, you know, I was intimidated to do this, but God has helped me with this gift and I think I'm getting better at it. So I'm using my gift to tell you about Jesus. I'm prophesying. I don't know everything. So if you're involved with following somebody who knows everything, eat the meat, spit out the bones, think of them with love, okay? <laughs> you can really find yourself, I gotta go check in with so-and-so. 
Is this, oh, let me see what they have to say about it. You know everything you need to know right now, <laughs> okay? So, <laughs> we're the same. We are the same. I want you to be just as confident in who you are. Thank you, Mary. I want you to be just as confident in who you are, in who you are, as in who you are in Christ, because you're always in Christ. Okay, confidence in yourself, because you're in Christ confidence in Jesus. That's the point of my ministry. If you want to contact me, I welcome your contact. I welcome your you contacting me. <laughs> Please do so. You can always go to my website, go over to the contact page and reach out. I'll be glad to interact with you there. All right. So let's get to today's walk talk. Are there different levels of God's anointing? Are there different levels of God's anointing? Okay, now, this is really gonna help a lot of you guys. I, I have a really good feeling about this. And the reason why is when I learned this, it was like, oh gosh, this is, this is great news. <laughs> this, this is awesome. You know, the truth always sets us free in our minds. And when you come to understand the truth about God's anointing, are there different levels of God's anointing? It's really going to help you rest, <laughs> be confident, and enjoy your life. So when we look at scripture, we see the word anoint about a hundred, depending on your translation, again, depending on your translation, we see the word anoint about 135 times in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see the word anoint about 25 times. Now, here's the thing. After the epistles began to be wrote in the epistles, we only see the word anoint about five times, depending on your translation. So 135 times we see the word anoint, 25 in the, Old in the New Testament, and then we see five when the letters were starting to be written to the churches and to the individuals. What happened? <laughs> Jesus happened. Jesus is always gonna be my answer. <laughs> Okay, Jesus happened. So let's let's take a step back and let's define the word anoint. Sounds like a fancy word, doesn't it? I anoint thee, or I'm anointed, you know. <laughs> and I'm gonna control my triggers today. I had a I did a walk talk a few days ago, and man, I if you didn't watch, <laughs> if you didn't watch it, go back and watch. Uh, Why do people hate grace? I you know. <laughs> I was so emotional in that walk talk and sometimes I get like that. There's nothing wrong with that, but I got to tell you this. I got more positive feedback from that walk talk than I have in my past 30 walk talks or whatever. Uh, a lot of people reached out and said how much they enjoyed it. And it just goes to show you, you're allowed to be emotional and be yourself. I don't feel bad about any part of that walk talk, even when I was emotional because I was being myself. God's not against emotions. <laughs> You're allowed to be emotional, okay? Um, but today I am gonna, this is gonna be a little bit more professorial, I guess, just a little bit more re reeled in <laughs> as far as my emotions are concerned. When I talk about grace, I get emotional. I don't think I'm gonna be too emotional talking about um, God's anointing. Um, okay, so the word anoint means to cover or to smear with, or to rub all over, okay? 
to cover, to smear with, to rub all over, rub it all over you, smear it all over you. Okay, that's all. <laughs> Yet we've turned it into a fancy religious word. Okay, most of the time when somebody is hung up on this word anoint, they really, really don't understand the difference in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant because 135 times in the Old Testament, the word anoint is used. 25 in the New Testament, only about five in the epistles. Something happened. So if, and it's Jesus, we're going to dive deep into that and why it's so much different now. But something happened which caused the symbolism, the symbolism of this word to be complete. And it happened in Christ. So before the cross, when the word anoint is used, it is a shadow of what Christ has done on this side of the cross. Okay? Before the cross... It was a shadow of what the Holy Spirit would do after the cross. The reason why we don't see it is because it's been complete. This is why when we see the word anoint in all the epistles, most of those words are a past tense verbiage. He has anointed you or you're anointed. Okay. Now. <laughs> we I don't want to disrespect people. <laughs> so when you see me pause and giggle, I'm stopping myself from um, being disrespectful to certain people's styles. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be disrespectful. I want to be respectful. I want to always be my, com I want my conversation always to be seasoned with grace. And, um, you know, I got triggers that happen when I think about some of the stuff that I went through. But, you know, before the cross, the word anoint is used as a shadow. Okay. After the cross, it is the reality. So why is this? It's because before the cross, the Holy Spirit anointed people temporarily, or it was a symbol of anointing, symbolic Okay, before the cross, the sin of the world had not been dealt with. Humanity, humanity did not have peace with God yet because the old covenant was set up and it was not finalized. The new covenant happened at the cross. When the new covenant came into play, all of those shadows were completed in the reality of Christ. The Holy Spirit would come on people, with people, but never in them or on them and with them permanently before the cross. So he would come upon people for divine acts. This is how David did what he did. This is how Samson did what he did. So the Holy Spirit would come upon people, with people, but then he left. <laughs> it wasn't permanent. Why? Because the cross hadn't happened yet. Because we were still in our sins. Because the Holy Spirit could not make his home in us permanently. And I'm talking, when I say us, I'm talking about humanity. Now, after the cross, the first permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit happened in an upper room at Pentecost. This was the first time the Holy Spirit shook in people permanently, never to leave again. Completely anointed. 
with the Holy Spirit. This could not happen until Christ went to the cross, paid for the sin of the world in himself, which gave us the opportunity to also die with him, become a new creation. Okay, so we've been forgiven and we are new creations. And now the Holy Spirit permanently joins. You know, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I'm holding my hand up and then I'm hitting my chest because I want you to know that the Holy Spirit joins you never to leave again. Remember, before the cross, he left because of sin. Okay? After after the cross, how would he leave once he's joined you when all of your sins have been dealt with? He won't. He wouldn't. That's the good news of the gospel. So we have been anointed. Okay? So Paul told the Colossians that all those things that happened in the Old Testament were shadows. Christ is the reality. So when we see anointed 135 times in the Old Testament, that's because that's a shadow of what Christ would do after the cross. So why did he call it a shadow? Because the shadow is not the reality of the substance. So if you see a shadow, if I'm walking down here on the street and I see the shadow right here, I'm going to know that that shadow is not making itself. I'm going to look over here and I'm going to see, okay, this tree is making this shadow. That tree is the reality. That tree is the substance. That shadow on the ground is not the reality, is not the substance. This is why Paul told the, the Colossians, those were shadows. Christ is the reality. Christ is the substance. So before the cross, they were anointed temporarily shadows, or they would symbolically anoint other people. Shadows, Christ is the reality. Okay, I hope this is making sense to you. Because the only reason why Christ would need to repeatedly anoint us is if something was wrong with us again. And the only, only way something would be wrong with us is, again is if our old self came back to life. Or if God decided to hold our sins against us again, then yep, he'd be gone again. But you have been anointed once and for all time by grace through faith. Does that make sense? This is why 1 John 2.20, John tells them, you have been anointed with the Holy One. You know the truth. All of you know the truth, he says. Okay, you have been anointed with the Holy One. Who is the Holy One? Capital H, capital O. The Holy One, the Holy Spirit. We have been smeared with, covered, fully indwelled. That's Jesus. You have been baptized into him. I'm not talking about water. I'm talking about what has happened to you. Your old self died. Romans 6, Coloss- Romans 6 Colossians 2, Galatians 2. You are a brand new creation, 2 Corinthians 5. Okay, so you are not being re-anointed. Anointing is not coming in dabs. That would mean the Holy Spirit has to come back to you. That would mean the Holy Spirit would have to find something to blame you for. And the only thing that you could be blamed for would be sins. But what did Christ do with your sins at the cross? He has taken them all away. So now you have the anointing from the Holy One with the Holy One and you know the truth. 
who is the truth? John 14, 6, Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you have been anointed. So, you know, when we go to certain brick and mortar locations and, you know, we got people up on stage, you're extremely charismatic. I'm not against being charismatic. I, I grew up in that, that culture. So I, I enjoy feelings, <laughs> you know, but when somebody, an individual, here's the problem with this anointing. Are there different levels of God's anointing? When an individual gets up on stage, opens up his Bible pull something out of the Old Testament and then applies it to themselves and says, God showed me this scripture one day and told me that I'm anointed to do this or I'm anointed to do that. That is error. It's, it's not the truth. If they believed in Christ, they are already fully anointed. You have been anointed. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has been smeared all over you and in you and with you. You're, you're intertwined with him like wicker, you know, you, you, you're, you're one spirit with him. So he's not dabbing anointings on you, not dabbing anointings on somebody else. So here's another thing. Some people have the word anointed or anointing confused with gifts or gifted. They're not the same thing. Anointing complete full. There's not different levels of God's anointing. Gifts, complete, full, based on what God has given to you. A gift is a gift, and the gifts are meant to edify the body of Christ and the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and, and the grace and the knowledge of God's grace. So the edification comes through the gifts. The anointing could not happen until you believed, which allows your gifts to be expressed. So gifts are not anointings. And there are also not different levels of gifts. There's not different levels of anointings. There's not different levels of gifts. Saying there's different levels of gifts would be like saying, my hand is on a different level than my ear. My foot is on a different level than my stomach. My shoulder my arm is on a different level than my nose. There's not different levels. We all have different gifts. We, we are all members of the body of Christ. So there are not different levels of anointings. <laughs> there are not different levels of gifts. And gifts are not meant to edify you. Edify means to build up. Paul corrected the Corinthians, uh, an individual or a group of them for edifying themselves. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Gifts are not meant to edify yourself. It's not meant for that. Your gifts are meant to build other people up in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm keeping, I'm, I'm staying piped down today. I'm not, I'm not, you know, but these, these, um, uh, let's just get past that. Okay. Anointing is not the same as gifts. You are fully anointed. You know, the truth, you know, the Holy one, you have been anointed. Uh, 
People have different gifts according to whatever God has decided that human being is going to be able to express without effort. A gift is something that you, you can look at somebody else and you can say, wow, you're gifted in that. But if you say something to that person, that they're going to be like, <laughs> it's just something natural that I do. You know, look at Michael Jordan, for example, everybody has told him for a long time that he's an excellent basketball player, but he just, he's gifted. He's gifted. Now, of course you can hone your gifts. Okay. Does that make sense? But when you're, when you're honing your gift, you're not, um, doing anything to make it a gift. It is a gift and you cannot teach a gift. That's why it's a gift. <laughs> All right, let's move on from that. That's a whole nother walk talk. Now, when we look at scripture, we also see the Holy Spirit symbolized in oil. Okay. Oil symbolically represented the Holy Spirit. A couple different spots I want to point out. Matthew chapter 25, we see the um, parable of the, of the 10 virgins. Okay, we've got the parable of the virgins. These virgins, the wise virgins, had oil in their lamp. The unwise virgins did not. For a long time, I didn't, I thought, like, what does this mean? Why do they have oil in their lamp and they're, they're good to go and they don't have oil in their lamp and they were not wise and something bad is going to happen. The Holy Spirit represents, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. It is symbolism. It's symbolic for the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling them the wise people are going to trim their lamps with me. <laughs> the unwise people are not going to trim their lamps with me. They're going to trim their lamps according to the law, according to their works, according to everything but me. Okay, and then we also have another passage, which is in one of the epistles on this side of the cross. James 5.14, if any among you is sick, call the elders and let's pray for the, the person and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So this is symbolism, just the same as bat water baptism is symbolism. This is for comfort. <laughs> if, if I'm sick, Mentally, I'm having a difficult time. Physically, I'm not feeling well. And I call up some brothers and sisters in Christ and I say, hey, I really need some prayer. Can we meet up? You know, if we meet up together and they're praying for me and they want to anoint me with oil, that's symbolism. It doesn't do anything to me. There's nothing supernatural about that oil. <laughs> okay, look at it this way. If there was something supernatural about anointing people with oil in order for them to be healed, we need to have pallets of Wesson oil lined up and down our children's hospitals. It would get them out of there. There's nothing supernaturally powerful about any physical object any there's nothing physical there's no, we can have certain things that are physical that we cherish or we enjoy or we like 
but we have to come to the reality of that is not supernatural. There's nothing about this physical object or in this case, liquid that can do something that only the Holy Spirit can do. Okay, <laughs> you know, this, this whole thing, th this is a big hang up for a lot of people. And I know some people, they just don't want to hear it. I have been involved with this. I've gone to the front of the church umpteen times, you know, for brother Jim with the bad breath to pick up the little bottle of oil, dab it on his finger and rub it on me and then pray for me. I love him. But there's nothing supernatural about that. And that's what I thought. <laughs> so this is symbolism. This is for comfort. This is to, you know, it's the same thing as water baptism. It's symbolic. It doesn't achieve anything. All right. Now, um, you know, <laughs> I just wanted to, one other thing about that, you know, if oil had some type of supernatural power, Walmart wouldn't be able to keep it on the shelves. We don't need God. We got Weston cooking oil. We got some peanut oil. We got some olive oil. We got some extra virgin in our church. Do you see it? There's nothing holy about that liquid. You are holy. You have been anointed with the Holy One. You have the truth in you. He has been written on your heart and mind, all right? And him through you will let you know, I'm with you in this sickness. I'm with you in this difficulty. I'm with you in this pain, all right? So, so are there different levels or coconut oil? Yes, I like coconut oil too. Are there different, <laughs> I rarely read the comments. Sometimes I'll glance down there now and again. Um, so are there different levels of God's anointing? No, we are all anointed equally. We're equal. We're a body of Christ. There's no top down authority. There's no hierarchies. There's no power to be had by an individual over other people. When we get to that point of understanding that, the truth begins to set us free in our minds and we can just begin to empathize with people who are still struggling with that type of error. Okay, because if they have believed in Jesus by grace, they are anointed on the exact same level as me, the exact same level as you. We're all anointed with the Holy One, 1 John 2, 20, and we all know him because he lives in us. He guides us. What does that look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, both with ourselves and others, kindness, goodness, gentleness, respect, self-control, not keeping records of wrongs, not being easily angered. <laughs> so all of these amazing attributes of the fruit of the spirit will grow organically through you. You will bear that fruit in your relationships, in your mundane times of life, during work, during play, by yourself, because you know that you are anointed in full. <laughs> You know, Paul told the Corinthians that they have, that God has anointed them with Christ. 
God has anointed you with Christ. That's awesome right there. What do you mean God's anointed me with Christ? My pastor said that uh, he's anointed and I've never heard him call anybody else anointed. Well, I'm here to tell you today that the Bible says that you are anointed with Christ. You, believer watching this today, in full. (laughs) If you never say or do another thing in your life that has to do with Christianity or anything else, you're still anointed. You cannot improve this anointing. You cannot sustain this anointing. This anointing was a free gift by grace through faith. You've received it in full. And this includes your righteousness. This includes your forgiveness. You're good to go, friend. You, you and I, we are among the anointed. Capital A. That's you. That's me. Because of Jesus, because of his great love for us. We don't need to look through the shadows. We have the reality. You know, my beautiful, amazing daughter, Grace, before she was born, I had this ultrasound in my hand and me and Jennifer would always look at it, couldn't wait to meet her and it was just going to be awesome. And then once she was born, imagine had the nurse been standing there next to me to show me my brand new beautiful baby. And I said, no, I'm good. I got this ultrasound. And I walked back out of the room and just looked at the ultrasound. That's what we do when we go to the Old Testament and we try to apply that stuff to to what has already been complete in Christ. Grace, my daughter Grace is the reality. Her ultrasound was the shadow. Jesus is the reality. He has anointed you. The Old Testament stuff is the shadow. 135 times because it was never complete. 25 times and then five in the epistles. It's complete, my friend. So I hope this has encouraged you guys today. I hope it's brought to light. Maybe some errors that you had about anointing. And just know that you're anointed. It's not bestowed. It's not earned. It is what you are (laughs) because you are smeared with the Holy Spirit. You're covered with the Holy Spirit. You are just complete because of what he has done. So mailman delivering on a Sunday or mail lady. It must be backed up. So always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. You're anointed in full. You're also gifted. And you, my friend, are absolutely amazing. You guys have a great day. Love y'all. See you later. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.